for people that want to become more like Shep? What is the practical tip? Think about media, not about what you actually do. I am a media company. That's just my content. Welcome to the Coach You Show, where we learn directly from Dennis Yu and special guests. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Coach You Show. Today, we have a special guest. He is the world's number one customer service speaker. He's written eight books that are New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers. He's done it for 39 years. He has a virtual training center, courtesy of Bradley and mutual friends that we have. We are friends and a mastermind, and we're actually going to hang out together in November, too. I was also on Shep Hyken's podcast, too, and he wrote an article about TikTok customer service on Forbes. So today, I want you to learn and absorb from the master himself, Shep Hyken. Welcome, Shep. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. By the way, you said we're going to be in New York November 2. You meant T-O-O, not number 2. Yes. I think it's November 18th, actually. <laughs> yes, November 18th for the conference called What's Next. So the if anybody's watching this and they're in New York City and they want to hang with us for a day, we will be there. And you're going to hang out with Shep, me, David Merriman, Scott, Howard Tierski, your long lost sister, Helen. Helen, you will be there. Different you. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> like, know you had a sister named Helen. You. There's another guy named Dennis. You. That's a San Diego like multimillionaire. And other people think that I'm that guy. But I'll take that. So Shep Hyken, everybody, is an accomplished speaker, author. There's a lot of people out there that want to write a book, that want to speak on stage that want to sell courses, that want to travel, that want to have all the things that Shep has. So today we get a behind the scenes experience with Shep and I'm going to ask him a series of questions. I did some research. I bought some of his books. I looked at some of his training. I looked at his different articles. I even found that you rank number one on higher, slow, fire, fast. Type that in the Google. Higher, slow, fire, fast. Yes. I and then if you type in loyalty department, you rank number one. And wow. all big companies have a loyalty department, which of course is not the customer service department. And you even outrank AT&T and other clients that you have on these customer service issues. Wow, I'm, I'm impressed, I'm amazed. <laughs> You're making me and feel good, thank you. Shep is the chief awesomeness officer. Chief of amazement company. officer. Sorry, amazement, sorry, amazement. I keep saying awesome. Chief yeah. amazement officer. Yeah. And I found that in one of his eight books, he talks about these, the five cults of the customer. And first, when I think cult, I think of like drinking Kool-Aid. But well, it is like drinking Kool-Aid. We've got to get all employees to drink the Kool-Aid. And cult is not a dirty word or not a scary word. You know, people associate cult with religion. But here is the interesting thing. The true story. I yeah. wrote this book, Cult of the Customer, sent it to a bunch of potential clients. And one of them came back saying, I will never do business with you. We are so anti-cult. And it was a religious... Yeah. It was a hospital, a faith-based hospital. Uh -huh. And so I sent back the definition of a cult. And uh -huh. a cult is really a group of people who have a common interest in, you know, do things together. If you ride yeah. your bike through Central Park every Sunday with a group of people and you never want to miss, in a sense, that's a cult. When I described it and sent the definition, guess what happened? I worked for that company. <laughs> and cult is short for culture, right? Right. Well, I mean, we played off okay. of that word culture. Okay. 
And the five cults, just to give you a, I know that's not what we're going to talk about, but one is uncertainty. And in, in the customer service world, the first time a customer does business with you, they're uncertain. They only hope it's going to be what you promised it would be. Uh, number two, we're going to get them into alignment. Number three, we're going to get them into experience. Once they're aligned with what we're about and they start to experience it, we want to move them to ownership. If the experience is good, we want them to know that it's the same every time. It's predictable. It's consistent. And if all that's happening, you move them into the cult of amazement because the word always, they're always friendly, always helpful, always nice. It's what we want them to experience all of the time. And if it's what they want, they say we're amazing. That's my, you don't have to buy the book anymore. So we just took <laughs> 250 pages and gave it to you in 60 seconds. <laughs> there you go. That, that's amazing. Thank you for giving me my time back. So a lot of the people in our community, they're entrepreneurs, they have a successful business, but maybe they're not a public speaker. They're not charging $50,000 to be able to speak. They don't have a speaker reel. They don't have the apparatus that you have. How does someone who has a successful business and maybe knows something about how to drill teeth or how to sell houses or how to repair garage doors start to get their name out there and start to like, what do they not know about like, but you're not going to get rich publishing a book. Sure. You don't get rich programs. publishing a book, but <laughs> writing the book can make you rich. So somebody once said, when I wrote my first book, Moments of Magic, they said, this book is going to make you a million dollars. Not because I wrote a book and sold books. It's because of the people that come to me and hire me as a result of reading the book. So I want you to think, let's, let's use, you use the word, the profession of dentistry. Mm -hmm. You have a dentist that wants to teach other dentists how to be successful, right? You need to stop thinking of yourself as a dentist. And we're using dentist for anything you do. It could be, you could be a car salesman. You can be, you know, anything you want. Uh, you need to think of yourself as a media company. When I started to realize that the more media that I create through articles, videos, podcasts, or the more programs I'm on, similar to those, I'm going to start to generate interest in what I do, and the phone will start to ring. Now, when I started out my business many, many years ago as a speaker, it was pick up the phone, smile, and dial. 100 calls a week. We connect with 12 people. Of the 12 people, one to two of those are interested in what I do, and 15% of the people interested will actually hire me. So it could take three, four weeks to get that first booking, but I recognized it was a numbers game. I learned this, by the way, from Tom Hopkins, who wrote the book, How to Master the Art of Selling. And I, I saw Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins when I was right out of college. And I mm -hmm. thought, I can do this for a living. I can be a speaker. I had an entertainment background. I did comedy clubs and magic and that type of thing growing up. I started with birthday parties. And <laughs> so I knew I could get in front of people. And I thought I was going to go to work for my family's business, which they own gas stations. And, and like I graduate in May, I go full time with them in January, in June, June 1st, which by the way, I'd worked for them all my life, pumping gas on the weekends or over the summer job and all that. And so here I am thinking, I'm going to go to work for the family business. And in September, they decide to sell it. So now what do I do? And a few months later, I saw this, uh, this uh, motivational program with Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins. And I thought I can do that. So that's how I started. But I learned all this, you know, technical selling, smile and dial. It's a numbers game. But when the internet came around, when YouTube was there, when I started to find that I could do a blog and people would follow me and then they'd like what I wrote. So that's the key. And really, if you look at all the different channels that I'm in, I, I'm I, obviously I'm on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm, I'm blogging, I'm on YouTube, 
Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm starting to get on TikTok, thanks to you. And when we look at all these different channels and how we get incredible reach for less time than what it takes. If I make a hundred calls, it's two to three hours a day, three to four days a week. Okay. So let's call it eight to 10 hours a week that I do this. Right. Okay. If I take eight hours a week and devote it to creating content, I'm going to reach a whole level of numbers that I can't do on the telephone. I mean, tens, a yeah. uh, hundred times what I could, a thousand times, right? And what happens is uh, over a period of time, you start to get known and the phone starts to ring or the inquiries come in through your website. Well, what about the folks who they start creating content because they think that they're going to be a social media superstar or a viral sensation within the next couple of weeks and they get no engagement. They're sharing their knowledge. They're posting mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. They're commenting. They're doing all the things that you're supposed to do. How should they think about that? It's a marathon, not a sprint. And you need to recognize it's not going to happen overnight. So you have to build up. And the more you build up with the right, and and by the way, learn a heck of a lot from you, Dennis, with the SEO optimization and understanding the metrics. You are so much more sophisticated than I am today. And that even in the beginning, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just, I'm throwing mud against the wall and hoping some of it (laughs) sticks, right? (laughs) So, uh, but I I also know this. First of all, quality of production is not as important as quality of content. So you can have okay video, Mm -hmm. make sure your sound is good enough because sound Mm -hmm. is really important. Mm -hmm. Most people today don't watch on a big screen. They watch on their phones uh, if they wouldn't even call them a phone, your mobile device. So really uh, quality is okay. Make sure the audio is really good and and then you can caption and things like that. And make sure the content is relevant. And what I did when I first started out back in 1983, 39 years ago, amazingly. I know I don't look that old because I remember I started right out of college. When you're bald, you don't see the gray hair. So so anyway, when I started, it was a numbers game. Remember, it's 100 calls a week. But what I did is I made a list, a target list. And that's important. You need to plan out. So I would, if I decide I want to do YouTube videos, by the way, frequency, I think once a week's reasonable. How long should your video be? Some people argue the longer, the better. Uh, I think, you know, two, three minutes, you do TikTok videos, what, 30 seconds is what we're looking for. Right. How, what can you do in 30 seconds? You amazingly can do quite a bit in 30 seconds if you start looking at it. Mm-hmm. But I would map out the strategy with lots of content to create. You don't have to create it all at once, but create the schedule, the media schedule and start to, to do it. By the way, I love all kinds of different media and this is how I do it. Mm. I write an article. It's a short article. It's 400 to 500 words. Why do 400 words? I learned a long time ago that that gets picked up as an article versus a short little blog post. And I love Seth Godin, one of my Mm -hmm. idols in the whole digital marketing space. But if you'll notice much of his blogging, and I I get his blog every day, it's short paragraph or two. You You don't see that picked up in an Inc. magazine, Forbes magazine, or, or some other publication. Why? Because it's short. But by doing four, 500 words, I'm picked up in numerous publications every single week. Um, I do write for Forbes. That was an interesting story how that happened. It, it took a long time and they pay me. So I'm actually one of the paid contributors and, and I'm very careful what I post there. A lot of people say, would you write an article about me? I go, well, maybe. We can't make it promotional. You got to make it informational. Yeah. By the way, that's another key. If you're seen as promoting what you do, that is nowhere near as effective as helping people be more successful at what they do. So 
Uh, and the more you give away, it seems the more you give, the more you get. So I, I know I'm all over the place, but let me go back to the article. I write the article. From the article, I look at this, I go, if I can't get a half a dozen tweetable lines out of this article, I didn't write a good article. So mm. now I have tweets and memes that I can post from the article. Why not take that article, throw it onto a teleprompter? And by the way, I write the way I talk. And mm. then once I'm finished writing the article, I hand it to an editor in my office. She cleans it up grammatically. Otherwise, it sounds good, but it sure doesn't read very well. But I take the original article that reads more like I sound, right? And I throw mm. that into a teleprompter and mm. I've learned and I practice to get natural mm. on the teleprompter. So you don't realize right now I'm reading a teleprompter on everything I'm saying. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm looking for the typewriter eyes. I, I want it to almost seem that natural. So I actually have this uh, app. Um, I'm going to tell you what, I think it's called Smart Prompt. It's, I have one on my phone mm -hmm. and I have it on my iPad because that's what I use for my teleprompter and Smart Prompt. And there's other programs like this. It's like $2 a month. It is voice activated. So I put the script oh. in there. And I can talk and I can pause and I can get animated. I can slow down and get serious. And the script moves with the words that I use. So um, there's many programs like that. You don't need fancy cameras. You can do a nice, you can even, even use your iPhone, uh, especially the new one, uh, that 14. Oh, Incredible. that camera. I, what is it? 47 megapixels, films HD, uh, 40 or 30 frames per second. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable camera uh, in there. So you've got that and you've got an iPad teleprompter. And by the way, I went on, on eBay or yeah, it was eBay and I bought a used um, iPad, just an inexpensive one because all I'm using it yeah. for is the teleprompter. Yeah. You can yeah. buy the holder for the teleprompter for about $125. You can yeah. buy cheap, inexpensive lights and you put a little green screen up behind you and now all you need is a little bit of editing software when you're done. And my goal was every video that I shoot takes an under an hour to actually create. Now, I don't do that anymore. I used to do it all myself, but mm -hmm. I just go and shoot the video. I walk out and uh, let the team figure out how to make it look pretty. But uh, wow. that's, that's really uh, what we do for the video. So you've got the written, the article turns into tweets. Uh, one-liners, you've got the video, those alone should give you what you need to get started with two, three days a week of content with tweets happening every day. Hmm. So on an ongoing basis, now that you've already covered pretty much everything in customer service, how do you decide what's next? I keep thinking to myself, when am I going to run out of content? <laughs> <laughs> My brain is now trained to pick up on all kinds of things. So the other day I was doing a podcast. I've got to tell you two other really cool, easy ways to uh, doing a podcast. Once you've done it a couple of times, it's very easy to do. When I first started podcasting, I worked for CBS radio and they had me on a national podcast program, thousands and thousands of listens. Right. And I said, it's doing nothing for my brand. I just want to talk about service and experience. Can I just do that? It was a business show. Mm -hmm. They said too limiting. Why don't you go on your own and do that? And mm -hmm. I left. It was hard to leave the cachet of CBS radio because I could go to any studio in the country and have somebody come in and join me live. Or, or mm. And they also gave me equipment for my home. So I left and I started my own podcast. And I average on a good day, 12, 1500 people watching an episode. Every one of those people are interested in what I have to talk about. It's very specific and narrowly niched. And the, the, the riches are in the niches, they say. And this is a perfect example of that. So uh, you don't have to have lots of people 
listening to you. If you're a dentist, you only need people who are dentists listening to you. You don't care about, uh, you know, car salespeople, internet salespeople, whatever. You are looking to talk to your tribe and only your tribe. An easy, easy blog post to make, which really is powerful. I call it my top five article. Uh, I do it once a week. It's on Monday. It's the five favorite articles I read about what we do in the customer service and experience world. Hmm. Uh, I read 10 articles a day and I choose five and I do one or two sentences as to why I like the article with the link to the article. And let me tell you what I do. It's very important. Number one, the article Hmm. is good. So it's the favorite one I read, but I also am looking for people that I want to build relationships with. Are there companies out there when could, because as soon as we put them in this top five blog, when we go to, uh, we post it and then we start tweeting out and tagging all the companies and the authors of these articles. Well, guess what happens? They thank me. What can we do for you? You know, Mm. and we start building this relationship and, you know, you might say, Hey, there's an ulterior motive there. At the end of the day, I don't even care what happens other than I made somebody happy, made them more successful, got them more exposure. And as I said earlier, the more you give, the more you get. And that's what we're doing right here. I'm sharing with you all my trade secrets. You know, I don't, there's, there are no secrets per se, but um, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) So how about another secret? How do you decide how much to charge? For my speech, uh, it's supply and demand. Nobody knows what to charge when they walk out the door. But I'll tell you this, if you are a successful CEO, uh, maybe you are the, the chief customer officer for Amazon, and now you decide to go out on your own, you're going to have demand and you should charge uh, based on that past experience. Hmm. But you have to also be a good speaker. And you don't have to be the best speaker, but you have to be good. And I know speakers that charge 35 to 50,000 for what they do that have, uh, they're, they're okay speakers, but they were the high level executive of a very well-known brand and they can hmm. share quite a bit. So we call those logo speakers. Yeah, they're uh, right. They're logo speakers, which is great. And there's nothing wrong with that speaker either. You can learn a lot. And so, uh, for example, the Disney speakers, I go up against Disney all the time, known for customer service and experience, right? So why, and by the way, my fee for training, which is actually my trainers, not even me going out and doing it, Hmm. is less than Disney, but we go up against Disney and Disney sometimes wins. I figured out why they win. They have this incredible story. But I also figured out what we do that is actually potentially better for our client. And I tell them right up front, Disney is amazing. I will never knock Disney. They are an incredible program. Uh, right. Their Disney Institute speakers are awesome uh, or amazing, as I like amazing. to say. <laughs> but what's the difference between Shep and, and Disney? Well, I've got a lot of, I don't have the cred of Disney theme parks and resorts. But what I'll tell you is this, anything I talk about, it's easy to bridge the gap between what I'm talking about and how you're going to use it. When you uh, hear from Disney, Zappos, Ritz-Carlton, you need to work to interpret how that story works for your business. And some of the speakers are better at it with these different brand name training training programs. Some speakers are better at bridging that gap than others. Uh, But I make sure that if you get my content, I have designed my content and the way I think is, here's a general experience. Now, how does that apply to you and your business? Let's drill down and make it happen. So you asked originally, how do you know what to charge? Mm. Um, Supply and demand, come out of the gate with what you think you're worth. If what you're worth, if people say to you, oh, you were great, how much would you charge to come to my company and do this? 
and you tell them and you never hear from them again, you're probably charging too much. If you get a yes from everybody you tell the fee to, you're charging too little. So, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, my, my uh, fees are actually published on my website. You can go to speaker bureaus and you can see my fee range. I start at 25 and go up to 50. And if there's a bigger scope of work, um, I probably charge a little bit more depending upon that scope of work, but that that's a general fee range. But uh, it, for here in the US, international, it's a little bit different, but you get the idea plus travel, uh, plus uh, hotel, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I did not get there overnight. I started out many, many years ago at $500. And I said, if I can book for a month, I can make a living. Well, $2,000 a month was enough back then, not, not enough today. But I also had just enough money in the bank that I knew if I could make, uh, I said, I need to make $1,000 a month for the next few months. I need to bump it to two for a year for the next full year I'm in business, the year after that four, the year after that eight. And I put together a 10-year plan that ultimately had me getting to at least a quarter of a million uh, in, in net. I'd, you know, But I built up to that. And I said, how am I going to do that? I looked at what I was going to charge and how many dates I had to do to get there. Mm. I didn't want to do 200 days a year to make $200,000. I wanted to do you know, 75 dates and see where, where that took me. Uh, eventually my fees have gone up. Um, as you know, my fee range is now, I now try to do about eh, it, the perfect year would be four a month, 48. Okay. It doesn't mean they're going to do actually four a month, maybe one month I'll do seven and then next month I'll do none. And the following month I'll do six. You know what I'm saying? It's, it goes up and down, but if I can do that, I'd be happy. The other thing about my business is uh, similar to the dentist that decides to do this. They're still a dentist. So they've got their dental practice, plus their training business. Yeah. Well, in my business, I've got my speaking business. I've got my training business. Uh, we do influencer work. Um, I, I do special video projects that I, I use. They, they like me as an influencer, and then I brand to their company. Um, I'm a podcast host for some companies, so I'll actually be the host of their show, not mine. That's fun. Uh, mm -hmm. By the way, wouldn't never thought about that, except this thing called the pandemic came along and forced <laughs> me to stay home and figure out ways to make money <laughs> with my talent. So there you go. So you have like six or seven income streams. from Yes. This and the biggest one is speaking. Well, yeah, but the others combined actually eclipse the speaking. So I'm an Asian, so I'm good at math. So if you speak four times a month, and let's just say it averages at 30, you're doing a million, 1.2 per year, just in right, right. So, I mean, anywhere around, uh, you know, recognize you got bureaus that are going to take 25% yeah. on average. You've got some events where I will actually feel it's important enough for me to speak for free. And by the way, you seldom ever get me to discount my fee. If I go, if I decide I, it's worth doing, I'm not going to discount. I'll speak for free. Sometimes they'll say, well, we only have $10,000, but I go, man, I want to be in front of that audience. Two things. Number one, will you give me a glowing testimonial if I do a good job? Yes. Number two, yeah. will you connect me with five people, not in your company, or if they're a big company inside your company that you know would hire somebody by, yeah. by, like me, who, by the way, have a budget for me. Yeah. And then let's take the money you were going to pay me and let's write it to uh, the American Cancer Society or Parkinson's because oh, that's yeah. my mom just passed away. And now I'm doing it for charity. So it makes, it makes me feel good. Amazing. Or get them to buy a thousand copies of your book for the audience. Yeah, but based on what you make on those books, uh, some, you know, you don't make a ton of money on books, but a thousand's a good start. A thousand's a good start. Yeah, that's what I got at my last conference. They didn't want to pay the fee, but they bought the thousand books. 
Yeah. <laughs> What's really nice is when they pay your fee and they still buy a thousand books. I love when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> so when should you decide to speak for free or not? Like I've spoken for free at Traffic and Conversion Summit, which is the conference for digital marketers. I've spoken for free at Social Media Examiner in a social media marketing world, which is a huge conference, yep. right? That's all. That, and, and what I found, and I'm curious to see what you think, because you're far greater than I am in this space, is that when I do the free speaking at the big industry conferences, not like some small meetup, the people that come up afterwards are the CMOs and the VPs of digital that then hire me for a $50,000, $100,000 training. So exactly. I'm happy if it's the leading industry conference, I'll do it. I'd, I'll even pay for my own travel. Yeah. So I've worked social media uh, examiner uh, probably four or five years I've done it. And every time I walk back with business, by the way, I love that conference because I like to go to the other sessions and learn. And mm. plus a bunch of my friends, and I wish I would have known you. I haven't, I didn't do it this past year, but I, man, you'd been the guy I'd be hanging out with when I'm there. And so <laughs> uh, they pay your expenses only. And uh, all of us go there because we want to give back, but we also hope that maybe we'll get some business from it. Sure. That's fine. Um, but you're right. So you want to take a look at the audience. Who's Now, there are some speakers that speak uh, for the ability to sell from the platform. Mm -hmm. And they will give you, if they do it right, you feel mm -hmm. like you walked away with good value in spite of the heavy pitch they have. Mm -hmm. When it's done wrong, it's just a product pitch from the stage for the next 45 yeah. minutes. And An that turns turns me off. Um, but the right, the right speaker, you'll walk away and go, man, I got some great information. I need to have more of this speaker's content. So mm. that's, uh, that's important. So look at the audience. Uh, what is your goal? Is your goal to get more speaking engagements? Is your goal to network? If, if it's the kind of thing where, hey, I just want to go to the conference and learn because the conference I'd go to and they said, if I speak for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I can have a free ticket. What the heck? It's worth it. Yeah. And to go to the speaker ready room and meet all the other speakers. Yeah, it's the networking. Yeah, you never know who you're going to meet. I do uh, every year, CCW is the largest customer or contact center week. It used to be the call center week years ago, but it's no longer just phone calls. It's all kinds of social media and other, you know, digital AI uh, customer service type thing. I was asked to do that. And they said, look, we don't pay our speakers unless you're a celebrity like Magic Johnson. Mm. Uh, but we're going to put you in front of all these executives of call centers. Do you want to do this? And I thought, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. And they actually, after doing it, they put me on their board of advisors. And that has been a wonderful experience to network. I have learned so much about what I didn't know, which is great. But mm. on top of that, that helped get me recognized into a niche area within the whole customer service world. Yeah. Uh, to work with support centers. And, and uh, it, it's been great. I, and every year I will go to this. And even when I don't speak, because I'm on their advisory board, I pay my own way there. And I spend two days walking the aisles of the trade show, talking to the, all of the exhibitors, learning what's going on in my industry and picking up new leads along the way. Amazing. So speaking at the industry leading conferences, having the industry leading books, writing for Forbes and these other places, having a podcast, leads you to the high dollar consulting. The smile and dial, I've never done that. Every single client I've ever had, whether it's like a Nike or a Red Bull or Starbucks or doing analytics and ads for these guys has been because I've shared my knowledge. So yep. you guys should listen to what Shep has said where literally just put it out there. I see a lot of speakers where they're trying to sell from the stage or they're trying to do webinars that are really just infomercials. Look what Shep is doing here. Notice every, I'm just analyzing his techniques. He's telling stories. 
and he's teaching through these particular stories instead of just like preaching as a professor. Because when you tell these stories of what happened, your authority is conveyed through your experience. And then what I'll do is I'll tell you like one example. Do you remember that guy, Oscar Pistorius in the Olympics? He's yes. the guy with one leg. Like he's one, one fake leg and he ran the 400 meters and he was celebrated, you know, won a medal, that whole thing. So we had a Nike, we had a commercial, we ran ads. We were doing a bunch of ads, social media ads for, for Nike. So we had an ad with him. It was beautiful of him that, that like running, like out of the, running out of the pistol, right? Like shooting out of the gun. And I forgot what the logo was, but we had all the, all these campaigns around Oscar Pistorius and I was at Nike's headquarters. It was like 9.30 in the morning. Someone else comes running into the conference room. It says, guys, you need to stop all the ads, stop all the campaigns. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? They're fantastic. And that morning was found out that he shot and killed his girlfriend. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Yep, yep. Yeah. And Bad. what was the, the theme of it was something, was something crazy. It was, it was something around like guns and shooting or going fast or something. So I had our team shut down all the ads right there on the spot. And we didn't get any kind of social media flack, thank goodness, right? Because you imagine like the guy shoots his girlfriend and we see a Nike ad of him shooting out shooting of a gun. Shooting out of a gun. Oh my gosh, that's, that's crazy. But I want you to think about, uh, it's so important that you, you never know in that situation, is the person you're doing business with going to go off do something wrong. I once recommended a speaker to a client not knowing his full background, only knowing what I knew about him over the last 10 years. Had I known what he had done in his past, why he went to jail, mm. I probably would not have recommended that speaker, but he did such a good job of pushing that off the social pages and yeah. never talking about it that I had no idea. It was one of my clients that said, you know who you're recommending? And I said, yeah, Oh my gosh, thank you for sharing this with me. And, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But I find that when you tell these stories and you share experiences of what you've learned, that that's when you build this connection, you have this vulnerability. So what I'll do is I'll tell the story, like what Shep's done, like this Nike one. And then I'll say, and here's the process that we use to be able to do reputation management and turn things off or, mm -hmm. or you know, monitor who our top yeah. brands are or who are, so I'll publish these guidebooks. These things that are, and some people actually, some CMOs actually will print out the whole thing and go through it and tell me how good it is. But I found like for me, that's the best way to close more speaking is by saying, here's one story of many other stories or this, I have a lot of examples that are like that, but look yeah. at what Shep is doing. Look at what I'm doing where we're, we're teaching by telling stories. So it doesn't feel like we're ever selling. Yep. Do you know, well, you know, David Merriman Scott, he's in our group. Have you had him on the show yet? I'm interviewing him in 30 minutes. All right. Well, in 30 minutes, <laughs> his his whole concept of newsjacking yeah. and taking an existing story and using somebody else's story with your expertise and commentary behind it, but it's timing is everything. You got to be paying attention. And then as soon as that news breaks, oh my gosh, that's a great story. So you remember when United Airlines, uh, the passenger was beaten and taken off the plane? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I newsjacked that. I, I immediately started giving my commentary. Uh, mm. There was a Southwest Airlines, or no, in a Southwest, a JetBlue experience where uh, the flight attendant just got sick and tired of the passengers. And he said, you held up a, a, a case of beer or a, a six pack of beer that was in the, you know, for the passengers. He goes, pop one open and took a sip. He goes, I am out of here. 
and the plane and yet pulled not yet pulled away he opens the door the chute comes out and he slides oh, wow. down the chute and delays the flight by hours of course and um so i newsjacked that when comcast had their customer service debacle where they wouldn't let a person cancel and they put this person uh, recorded the call and then started playing it and made national news. I, that night, I'm I'm getting my commentary on a YouTube. I just re, uh, reported, put the keywords in there, and guess what happens? NBC calls me, Fox mm. News calls me, you know, mm. all these different news outlets, and mm. uh, that's called newsjacking. That's a way to get great cred. Then you use those video clips on yeah. your website elsewhere to prove that you are an authority at what you do. You are fantastic, Chef. I could listen to you all day. Well, we could talk all day, but you've got to talk to David in just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Yeah. So how would you summarize for people that want to become more like Shep? What is, what is the practical tip? Why should they listen to our conversation? Well, well, you know, the summary is where we first started. So we'll go full circle. And that is media company. Think about media, not about what you actually do. I'm a professional speaker. I specialize in customer service, but the actual truth is, I am a media company, that, that's just my content that I exploit through the social media channels, through YouTube, through blogs, through articles like my Forbes column, that type of thing. So uh, I am all about the media and about consistency and also uh, quantity, but it's all good. It's not quality versus quantity, it's quality in the right quantity. You're amazing and you are Thank awesome. You. A lot of people are thinking they can never, as, as a final question, never think that they can be as polished as you. They don't have the kind of charisma and charm. Do you think that's possible? Like, what do you say to people like that? I don't care if they're like me or not. I can give you example after example of speakers that aren't nearly as good as me. Bloggers that I think write, you know, okay articles, far more successful than I am. I don't know why, I don't know how, but it doesn't really matter. Their content resonates with the right audience and that's who's hiring them, and that's where they're making their money. And that's what you need to think about. Uh, I could never be super successful training dentists how to create the practice of their dreams. But uh, I can write a lot of articles, just wouldn't mm. make any sense. But a dentist that has done it and is showing what they do, uh, like mm. Dr. Jeffrey Moffat out of, um, I don't know if you know who he is, out of uh, Australia, uh, that's exactly what he does. He teaches dentists how to create the ultimate practice. And I know there's several others like him around the country, around the world that do that. So mm -hmm. you need to think like that. Uh, it's what you do, your expertise, put it out there. You'll get better at it, but you got to start somewhere and you have to, you know, you're in the minor leagues till you get into the major leagues. You know, you're not going to, you, you don't immediately when you're born and you put a baseball bat or a hockey stick or whatever in your hand, you're not immediately a pro. You yeah. dream about being a pro. You work toward being a pro. And one day you might be a pro, but along the way, you're recognized for the accomplishments that you have. That may be all you need to be successful at what you do. Hmm. Actually, one final question. Is there a question you wish that you were asked? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. You know, we're talking about something I normally don't talk about, uh, which is myself at this level. I usually talk about customer service and how yeah. to... Um, you know, do better on your own. So there I'd have lots of tips to share with you. But I think you've done such a good job. It's not so much what I asked, but the one thing I want you to think about is, you know, when this person, you look at them and they're so successful, they weren't an overnight success. Amen. Um, you know, you, you talk about how long does it take to be successful? 
1983, I started my business, as I mentioned, and I put together a plan. So if you already asked me the question, but let me reiterate it, uh, the mm -hmm. answer in a different way. Uh, and that is, you know, how long does it take to be successful? It doesn't take long if you do it right and you're relentless about it. And realize my friend, Bud Dietrich, um, may rest in peace. He was my mentor. When he knew what I was getting ready to do, he says, Shep, I want you to work 40 hours a week. Now realize I'm doing this full time. If you're mm. not doing it full time, whatever your number is, your number, you can work five hours, 10 hours. He goes, I want you to work 40 hours a week at getting business. If that's what you do, and I'm not talking, when you write your speech, that doesn't get you business. You can mm. write that on the evenings and the weekends. When you write an article, evenings and weekends. Mm. However, if you want to really become successful, spend all that time getting business. And if you devote your time to getting business, you'll start to get business. And so uh, I always say the job isn't doing the speech. It's getting the speech. The job mm. isn't doing a training program. It's mm. getting the training program. So uh, that's, that's, that's how I want people to be thinking. Mm. Thank you so much, Shep. And that's why you're the world's number one customer service speaker. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you for being on the Coach You Show. Everyone tune in to Shep. He's absolutely fantastic. Google him. Go look at hiking.com. Look at his training. If you're looking to hire a speaker, Shep Hyken is the one. And you can quote me on that. Thank you, Shep. Thank you very much, Dennis. Appreciate you so much, my friend. Talk soon.